the Daniel Bryan I was 10 years ago. I'm not the leader of the Yes Movement. And yeah, do you know what? Maybe I am washed up. And for sure, I'm mentally unstable. But there's one thing, one thing that's the same as it was before, and that's this. Passion. The passion that led me to overcome the odds to main event WrestleMania 30. The passion where I fought for over three years to we come back to this a hundred times. your mouth! Shut your mouth! Because you don't understand, they don't understand the passion combined with mental instability. Do you understand what I'm talking about? No, you don't. The mental instability that caused me to kill the Yes Movement when I could have just rode that out for years and that's what you would have done. The mental instability that caused me to kick a man in the balls to win the WWE Championship. You don't understand the mental instability combined with this kind of passion. He's unstable. Mentally unstable. But so am I. And there is nobody better to fight a mentally unstable person. We really glad that you're our friend. And this is a friendship that'll never ever end. Hi, Daniel. You know, it's very rude to speak about another person when they're not present. Just, just. Where are your manners? <laughs> I know being confused is a very scary feeling. But maybe that's why he did it. To scare you. <laughs> or maybe, maybe he did it to remind you about what you did. You remember, don't you? Because... I really think he does. Or maybe he just wants to play with you. <laughs> Yowie wowie. No toys. <laughs> Let's see what we got. This. Now <laughs> this get in there. This. This. This is my favorite new toy. Do you want to come play? All you have to do is say that one magic word. Come on, Daniel. Just say it. No! Yes. No. Yes! No! Uh. Yes! 
No. Yes. No, I am not going to go back there and play with you and your puppets. Because I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to manipulate me. You're trying to manipulate the people. But I'm not a puppet. So if you want to fight, let's fight. But if we're going to do it, let's do it for the Universal Championship. So Bray, what do you say? Well, Brian, to that I guess I'd have to say... Yes. 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 How's it going, everybody? It's your boy, Josh. Welcome to episode 182 of the Hoots Podcast, live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast from. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at JoshyLopez94, at JoshLopezMusic. Right there, you can check me doing some cool, cool, cool guitar covers. It's Survivor Series week. I'm pumped. I'm going to be at all four shows this weekend, so if you're in the Rosemont area and you want to come say hello, uh, please do. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you. Uh, this is a pro wrestling podcast that uh, also dives into comedy, sports, life, and anything that's just going through my mind. And uh, we're here to promote the positivity of pro wrestling and just have fun with the wrestling business in general. Um, really quick... Uh, for those who have been listening to the podcast, first off, I want to say thank you as always. Secondly, if you could please leave us a four or five star rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, it helps expand the reach of the show, and I like to gauge what you guys feel about the show positively or negatively. On this week's podcast, we'll have another edition of the Thoughts of Derrico from the one and only Brother Carter. Um, that's been a nice addition to the podcast over the last couple weeks. Hope you guys have been enjoying that. Uh, of course, towards the end of the show, I'll be making my predictions uh, for Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver War Games that's taking place at the Rosemont Horizon this weekend. Uh, going to four straight wrestling shows starting tomorrow. It's going to be a crazy week. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to uh, make sure I do the articles for all the four shows I go to. And by the way, you can see my articles on my website, Pro Wrestling Transcriptions. Dot com. Make sure to bookmark that page. If you want to catch up with any of the pro wrestling shows, it's a website that's um, intended to be a point of reference for any wrestling fans who are a, either A, casual with the product, B, don't have the money to afford uh, cable or the WWE Network, or C, just people in general that just want to 
catch up with every wrestling pod that's out there. I cover WWE, I cover AEW, I cover New Japan Pro Wrestling, I cover uh, Impact Wrestling, NWA Power, a lot of stuff. So go check out ProWrestlingTranscription.com. And of course, the final plug, uh, as always, make sure to check me out every single weekend on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan uh, Hood for Hood and Lopez. Uh, the second edition for Hoodie's show that he does every single week. I'm blessed and honored to be able to be his co-host every single week, and we recap all the episodes of AEW Dynamite and NXT. So, with that said, let's get this bad boy started. Not with wrestling talk, but with football talk. Now, I wanted to start off this show really quick and... Talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for the last couple weeks, but there's been so many wrestling topics going around that I really haven't had the time to dive into my thoughts of what's going on with my Chicago Bears this season. And to be honest with you, this has been one of the most frustrating and mind-numbing experiences I've been going through as a sports fan. Uh, For those who don't know, outside of wrestling, I'm a really big Chicago sports fan. I listen to both the Chicago radio stations here, ESPN 1000, uh, WMVP, AM Chicago, and of course, uh, 670 to score, which is WSCR, uh, 670 AM on your dial. Um, I'm a big sports freak. I love the Bulls. I'm a Chicago White Sox fan. It was cool to see that the White Sox uh, side Yasmani Grandal, the catcher, to a four-year, $73 million contract as Right before I went on air today, I'm recording this show on a Thursday, obviously. Um, so it was cool to see the White Sox get their offseason started on the right track. But let's talk about the beloved, right? Uh, the biggest team in this city. It doesn't matter what the record is or what the situation is. Uh, the Bears is the biggest franchise in the city and the most important. Uh, for those who live in Chicago, you can attest to that. Um, I thought about this a lot because... Just with anything, especially wrestling and in life, I think you guys can, for those who listen to the podcast, you kind of know how I'm wired, where I like to, like, sit back and think about things before I come on here and just uh, react and go off, and I I believe in providing context and substance in my discussions as opposed to speaking off of emotion, because... I'm I'm a victim to it, just like any of you. Uh, we say things that we don't mean out of spite, out of emotion, out of frustration. And for me, I'm a person that I like to look at things from a bigger picture perspective and try to figure out solutions as opposed to, okay, fuck this team, same old shit. Every single year as a Bears fan, one year you're good, the next four you suck. I've never been that sports fan, and I've never been that type of person i think though like i said for those who listen to this podcast over the last three to four years i think you guys kind of know how i am with things um and again when it comes to sports and just anything in life christmas is a christmas you're you're gonna do you i'm gonna do me but at the same time i think um what the the most frustrating part about this season is the expectations that went behind it and it being the 100 year the bears and <laughs> the team is 4 and 6 right now and if you listen to sports talk radio you think the bears lost every game this season and they're 0 and 10 which is not the case um there's a lot about media that I don't like 
as a media member, uh, I don't like this culture of snarkiness and acting like you're uh, smarter than the people who get hired for these positions. Can you question players? Can you question play calling? Sure. Absolutely. I, I'm not, nobody's above criticism or questioning. It, my frustration comes in when you start making things personal with players and coaches because you don't like the job that they're doing. Like, for example, Mark Silverman from Waddle and Sylvie last year was all on the bat, uh, Matt Nagy bandwagon and saying, hey, I got my Pfizer guy. And, you know, I'll say it. Sylvie is very flip-floppy. One year you could be your biggest fan, and next he, uh, you, he wants you to run out of the city. I'm just going to be completely 100 with you guys. And I don't understand that 180 switch. Yes, they're 4-6. and six. We probably won't make the playoffs. It's been a disappointing year. Players have regressed. Things haven't lived up to our expectations. And how does the coach of the year from last year get put on the hot seat and people are already giving up on the guy. I, I don't get that. And I'm not subscribing to this theory that what happened last season was a fluke because I don't think it was a fluke. I don't think you could tell anybody, any of those players in the locker room that it was a fluke or the teams that they played last year was a fluke. You think Cordero Patterson would side with the Chicago Bears this offseason if he thought... Uh, them taking them to the the Brinks house uh, in that game last season, that that back and forth clinic with the Patriots and the Bears last season. You really think that Cordero Patterson would want to be here if he thought this was just going to be a fluke and you had no shot at the title? Come on now. I get it. I understand the frustration when it comes with this franchise and the inability to sustain success throughout multiple seasons and making playoffs for back-to-back years. And it's warranted, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating. The Bears haven't been in the Super Bowl since 2006. The Bears haven't had a back-to-back playoff uh, appearance since 2005 and 2006, obviously. It's frustrating. We've gone through... Uh, John Fox, Mark Tressman, Lovey Smith. We have Matt Nagy now, and everybody wants to run him out of the city. Here's the issue in society. What are you catering your expectations to? And when are expectations actually warranted? Especially in sports. You have a team last year that came from 5-11 to 12-4. They won the they won the NFC North, and they lost their first uh, game in the Eagles in the wild card round, right? What warrants that to say that this team was a Super Bowl team? When we started the football season, and I remember it because it was a Thursday, we were recording this show when Adam was still on with me. I said that it's about taking steps and being consistent. And if you want to have your fan base believe in you and understand that this could be a new era of Bulls, uh, Bears football and things are going to turn for the better, right? You have to take the next step. I didn't say take the next step means going to be in the Super Bowl. One good season out of eight years does not warrant Super Bowl expectations. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. 
I know how good our defense is. I know we had talented, skilled players. And I have always been a Mitch Trubisky fan for multiple reasons. And I'm still riding with the guy. Even though everybody wants to run him out of the city. People are calling him the worst quarterback in the league. Damian Woody wants to question his character and take personal, uh, subtle shots at him on Get Up every single week. Here's my thing. And here's the most frustrating part when it comes to, like, in general, the Mitch Trubisky debate, and that's what the core of I want to talk about here with the Bears. It comes down to three things. One, people can't move on from that trade that happened in the 2017 draft, and they're going to hold on to that as if you killed their family member, and they're going to remind you every single time you do something wrong. They cling on to that shit. Ever since he got drafted, there's been a contingent of media members and fans that have stuck on that trade and rather actually see the kid develop and actually want to see the kid succeed. There's been this element and this narrative that you want to see Mitch Trubisky fail so you could tell Ryan Pace, Haha, see, I told you, you got it wrong. B... Number two, the personal shots. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Even before Mitch got drafted here, I remember during draft season, people were talking shit about him and saying he's going to be the next Johnny Manziel if he went to the Browns. I don't know what it is about him, the whole Mitch Mitchell thing. I watched every press conference this kid's had since he came to the team in 2017. I relate to the guy I, I from a personal point of view, and I've never seen him being a bad guy. You, you, you hear everything about his teammates glowing about him and his work ethic and being the first one there and the last to leave and genuine care from his teammates. Listen to any time Eddie Jackson has to answer a question about Mr. Trubisky on the score. Listen to Allen Robinson. Listen to Prince of Mukamura. De- defensive players. L- listen to Khalil Mack. Look at Klumak hugging Mitch Trubisky after the Bears beat the Lions a couple weeks ago. Everyone wants to say, oh, the defense is starting to turn on Mitch Trubisky. The players internally don't uh, the, the players are internally uh, losing belief in Trubisky. What you, what you think is and perceive what is and what actually is are two different things. Actions show something. Not perception. Not narrative. The whole thing about perception being reality is a myth to whatever narrative you want to run with. And it happens in wrestling, it happens with sports, it happens with life. Don't tell me what your perception is. Tell me what the hell the actual truth is. Don't assume shit. And then we got this third thing now where... Matt Nagy never really believed in Mitch Trubisky, and now he wants to sabotage his career just so he could show Ryan he's not the guy and they can move on after the season. I don't think a guy would pass up the opportunity to coach with Andrew Luck and a rising talent roster with the Indianapolis Colts if he didn't believe that Mitch Trubisky could be a good quarterback. 
I, like every single person in the city of Chicago, have been disappointed with this football season and where Mitch is at this season from a playing point of view. But there's this element of every time this guy gets brought up in discussion, the the terms of context and substance go out the window. It's either let's take personal shots at the guy or just just throw him out of the city. Let's, let's run him out of the city. I don't know, send him to Jacksonville, let him play in the XFL. That's the vibe I get listening to Mitch Trubisky discussions on air. It's, I'm right, he sucks, he's got to go. And then second is, people question his character or his toughness. The guy tore his labrum in the Vikings game. The first game he came back against the New Orleans Saints, people were expecting him to be back in the trajectory of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Listen to what I just said. The dude had a torn labrum at his left shoulder. You would think you have to use all your body parts to have fluid, fl- fluid motions in your throwing. And as an overall player and scrambling, which is one of his best assets. But you're going to sit here and tell me that you were expecting him to be at an MVP or elite level quarterback coming off a, a torn labrum and a dislocated shoulder. Like, come on. Like... <laughs> There's no reason to make fallback excuses, but the thing that starts getting me on Mr. Busy side is when people start start to make things personal or try to come up with things just to fit their narrative. You're not talking through the guy with objectivity. You're talking through it through your own colored glasses. Whether you hate the guy or you don't think he's a good player, you're going to stick onto that hill to the, the cows go home. You're going to die on a hill that he sucks. Ryan Pace made a mistake. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter he throws three touchdowns and no picks. Oh, it wasn't satisfying enough for me. It didn't fit my eyes. It didn't fit the mold that I want. I'm going to act like a teenage high school girl that didn't get the boyfriend that I wanted. So I'm going to run down every girl that he dates and everything <laughs> this is what I'm talking about there's no substance in Mr. Trubisky debates here's what's going on you got a 25 year old quarterback in his second full year as a starter and let me repeat that for those who are listening second full year as a starter, starting quarterback and people want to run him out of the city <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand the so. I don't know why the city is so insecure and emotionally unstable when it comes to their sports teams. You're we're not Boston. We're not New York. I understand it that we wear our emotions on our sleeves when it comes to watching these teams, and we're passionate. We spend our money. We're diehard fans. We live and die through our football teams, and we hold these teams to a high standard. I'm not opposed to any of those things. But when you start becoming unrational, that's when I start take I, I, I can't take you seriously as a fan base. Listening to radio callers stammer on the phone because they can't come up with a rational thought about the Bears and Mitch Trubisky every single week. Oh, let's go to Rick in uh, in Norwich Park. Uh, let me tell you about this uh, Trubisky character. Uh, let me, let, let's hit up. Uh, let's talk to James and Will Met. James, welcome to the score. Uh, you know, this Mr. Trubisky character uh, is soft as a Brillo pad. Uh, Mr. Trubisky has the heart 
of, I don't know, use whatever term you want to use. You see where I'm coming with with this? Am I del- am I delusional? Am I wrong in this situation? Yes, you can acknowledge that he hasn't been playing good this year, or he hasn't played to your expectations. But and, and this was going on too last year when he he was playing good. I I don't understand what you want to see from this dude. What quarterback? is generally perfect out of the gate starting a career in the NFL, especially a quarterback who only had one year of uh, starting experience in college. I, I don't get it. I feel like people have a personal vendetta against Mitch Trubisky that no matter what he does, positive or negatively, they're going to pump up their chest and saying, ha ha, Ryan, see, I told you, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's beyond frustrating, man. This has been one of the most frustrating football seasons I've ever been through as a football fan. Yeah, I think the team in general has lost their focus. Too much press clippings. I didn't see enough bravado and chip on their shoulder during the training camp. And I get it. It was a whole Bears 100 thing. You have good vibes. You have a good culture. But the vibe from the team this year should have been us against the world. Because that's what it was during the offseason. People making fun of you, saying that your team was a fluke, that your season last year was a, a joke and a fluke, and making fun of you for the double doink, and people taking pot shots at Mitch Trubisky on air and national television shows and this and that, just so they could pump up Deshaun Watson, who had... Also a shitty playoff performance. But nobody wants to mention that. Oh, Deshaun Watson is flawable. Deshaun Watson does nothing wrong. Oh, (laughs) by the way, uh, Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky only offered us seven points in football this week. But that's another story for another time. But, oh, we just want to pump up Deshaun Watson for what he did in college. But when we when we talk about what happened in the NFL playoffs, when he played like absolute dog shit against the Indianapolis Colts, which is kind of ironic because tonight the Colts are in Houston, the same site where Deshaun Watson played like absolute dog shit in the playoffs last season. Nobody wants to mention that. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, it was just the Lions' fault. And Mr. Bisky led the team in position to advance to the second round, and we missed the field goal. And Mr. Bisky put us ahead in the game in the fourth quarter against the Eagles in our vaunted defense. Let Nick Foles drive 80 fucking yards to the end zone. But it's all Mitch's fault. Right? It's all Mitch's fault. Everything he does is wrong. It's absolutely, absolutely frustrating. Let's move on. Let's talk about some fun things. Let's get into this week in WWE. And that was a wild one, folks, because we still got this stuff going on with Survivor Series. Honestly, this whole build has been permeating through Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. And it, it makes sense because that's what's going on with Survivor Series this year. It's Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT for the first time. And I got to give WWE credit. It doesn't matter what week of the show is. You have your side storylines like Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan, which is cool, and Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio. But the overall focus on every show has been War Games and Survivor Series with the brand supremacy. And they tied all those loose ends on every single show. Yeah, we got the stuff going on with Lana, Bobby Lashley, and that's another 
show for another time, but I want to talk about the good stuff. Uh, you know, let's let's get to SmackDown this week. And there was a vitriol fest, shocker, right? By Brian Alvarez, the elite reporter in wrestling today. About the segment with King Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode where uh, a mascot dressed as a dog came down to the ring. Uh, in this like a, a traditional wrestling heel way where he's making fun of Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is the big dog after all. And when I first saw it, it really didn't bother me at first. I I wasn't like, oh my god, this is funny, this is awesome shit or whatever. Like I was like, okay, here's the here's the here's the mascot that's probably gonna get a Superman punch or spear later on that night, you know? <laughs> it really didn't affect me one way or another, but there's something about WWE these days that just triggers these irrational takes and emotions from people on Twitter. Like, <laughs> um, I, I think people, uh, I don't know. I'm going to keep that to myself. Um, <laughs> okay. Do we need a mascot to have Baron Corbin make fun of Roman Reigns? No. Do we need a squeaky dog on a Titan that sounds annoying as shit to bother Roman Reigns? No, but here's the thing. They got you talking about it. They triggered some type of emotion out of you. And that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, heels are supposed to make you mad. They're supposed to make you pissed off. In a way, and I got to give credit to Corey Graves because he mentioned it this week on After the Bell. When you're a heel, you're going to do over-the-top things. Maybe it's not cool or hip enough to your liking as a wrestling fan. But you're going to do things over the top to make you pissed off. Baron Corbin's job is not to make you like him. (laughs) The fact that he triggered a lot of you so much by bringing out that dog and what they're doing right now with the Roman Reigns, uh, Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns feud, it's getting some type of emotion out of you, whether that's good or bad or whatever. (laughs) You're getting some type of emotion, right? That's the name of the game. Get in motion. Get people talking. You're talking about it. You heard Brian Alvarez act like a nine-year-old girl over it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I guess something's right. But, um, there was other stuff on the show that stood out to me. Obviously, like, the, revi- the Revival gets a new day. They always have good matches. Uh, you saw uh, Bailey go against Nikki Cross. Then we had another run in with the NXT woman. And ended up being a eight-woman tag team match, which was cool. And then you had this Bray Wyatt, uh, Daniel Bryan segment, which you guys heard at the beginning of the show, and it was just, it was awesome. <laughs> I like what's going on with Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. Uh, the fact that I get to see that match in person, uh, it's gonna be cool. They have history with each other, obviously, as Bray mentioned it, and Bray's done a good job with this fiend character where he's uh, collecting uh, receipts. Um, for the people that have done him wrong in his past. So, I liked what I've seen so far for Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan, and you guys heard that, obviously, in the opening segment. Bray Wyatt will put his Universal title on the line against Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series. Now let's get into Monday Night Raw, because Monday Night Raw is turning to Monday Night Barn Burners. Holy shit, man. <laughs> I'm trying to catch up with some of these matches, like... Here's the thing. It's three-hour shows, so sometimes you have the time to have long matches and matches that are, like, like insane, like a 
Buddy Murphy and Kira Tozawa or Andrade and Seth Rollins, for example. And then you have a match like Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre that literally tears the house down in Boston. Man, there was a lot of good wrestling on Raw this week. Uh, very good show from Raw. Uh, you still have your implements of NXT performance there. Yes, SmackDown out there. I got to give credit because I, I know maybe sometimes on, on paper and what you see on television, it looks kind of corny to have, like, the, the run-ins from SmackDown or Raw or NXT, and maybe some people are into the whole brand experience thing or not. I don't know. But the commitment that Cesaro has to keeping his hat, his blue SmackDown hat on while fighting and doing all this shit, <laughs> I gotta give props to because that's pretty funny, actually. Um, something's gonna go down this weekend with Survivor Series. I, I was talking about this with my Uncle Jeremy, where who I'm going to all these shows with uh, this weekend. Something major is going to go down this weekend at, at Survivor Series. Something big for WrestleMania 36 is going to start happening at Survivor Series. I don't know what it is, who's going to show up, but I'm, I'm going to say my prediction for Survivor Series at the end of the show, all right? So, again, you know, looking back at the matches this week... Um, Oh, there was another good match I forgot for SmackDown. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode against uh, Mustafa Ali and Chad Gable. That was a really good match. So, this week at WWE, uh, uh, firing in all cylinders as we head into uh, Survivor Series. And uh, still no announcement as far as who's going to be the men's uh, NXT team or the women's NXT team. So, we got to figure that out before the pay-per-view, but... Nonetheless, I'm very excited for this weekend. I said it a gazillion times, and now here we are. Literally, by tomorrow night, I'm going to be at SmackDown, and and we're going to get this crazy weekend started. So, <laughs> I am pumped up. Alright, let's get to this week's Pro Wrestling Report. And uh, in this week's edition of the Pro Wrestling Report, I'm going to talk about NW Power and what happened with Jim Cornette and... Um, this past week's edition of Impact Wrestling. So, really quick, let's start off with NWA. I don't know what it is about the question mark, but he's like the most popular wrestler now. <laughs> I see people popping for him on social media, the live studio audience, and uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, where they record those shows, the GPB Studios, that's what it's called? Yeah. The GPB Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. They love the question mark. It doesn't matter who's talking. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. I love it. It's freaking hilarious. Uh, and then you have um, Eli Drake being uh, confronted by Mr. Anderson. Looks like they're going to have a little feud going on. So I don't, I don't mind that. It, and just like how he was in TNA, Eli Drake is kind of the shitster in NWA. Something's going on with Camille. Uh, people can't get her to talk. You have the wild cards, I guess, having some subtle relationship with Camille and uh, Nick Aldis. Is there corruption? Is there a conspiracy going on? I think that's going to build up more as we head into, into the fire pay-per-view, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, actually. So we got to see what happens. I'm, I'm very curious to see where that goes. Anyways, uh, yeah... Melina show up. Very nice to see her. Uh, she was one of the pleasant sights I got to see during my childhood. 
she had a good waterfall. But more importantly, Melina was a good wrestler, and I'm, I'm glad she's back in the wrestling landscape because she was a good performer. I don't know why things didn't work out with her at WWE, but I didn't think she deserved to be off the radar because she's very talented in what she does. And now she's kind of like the leader of this little group that's going on with Thunder Rosa and Marty Bell. Um, I love hearing Nick Aldis every week uh, doing his interviews with Dave Marquez or Joe Galli. Nick Aldis is the best world champion in all pro wrestling right now. And the real world champion. Yes! <laughs> Uh, and again, NW Power is a lot of fun. Now, it came with a little controversy, and I, I started noticing this too while I was transcribing the show on Tuesday. Um, so Jim Cornette made a comment during the Trevor Murdoch, Nick Aldis match, where he was saying that, you know, Trevor Murdoch is so tough that he could, uh, what did he say? He, he you, you could strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back. And you can walk through, uh, um, I forgot the name of that country. Anyways, he, he made some type of racial, uh, reference, um, and it, it got, the show got pulled down, and then they ended up making the announcement that Jim Cornette has resigned from, uh, NWA, so Jim Cornette will, will no longer be part of the NWA commentary. I've been putting over Jim Cornette recently. I've been kind of catching up recently on his podcast, and he says some funny stuff, and I find him entertaining. But um, where I draw the line at times when it comes with entertainers is, most importantly, is racism, and I do not support that stuff, and I don't support Jim Cornette for doing that. I don't. There's lines you don't cross in life, and that's racism, where you're making a subtle joke or whatever it is. I understand that we're in a ultra PC and people are uh, ultra sensitive in the pussified era as I hear a lot of people say all the time <laughs> but people are emotionally triggered man they're going to call you out they're going to find anything little thing you say and they're going to dissect it as whether it's racist, homophobic whatever it's, and it's kind of a sucky feeling in a way where you feel like people are like, you have somebody looking over your shoulder Every time you do something or you tie something down, it's kind of an odd feeling. But uh, at the same time, you have to be cautious of what you say out there. Uh, and I don't condone racism. I never have. I never will. Uh, it's a shitty situation. Um, Jim Cornette is a good fit for the NWA, but not under these circumstances. So I hope Jim understand, uh, learns from this mistake and maybe there's some resolution down the road where he can come back and do commentary. But it's unfortunate because a guy with a great career constantly has his reputation ruined by decisions he makes and him going on these epic rants about these performers and stuff. And it kind of hinders his, uh, overall let, uh, his, his legacy in the wrestling business, which which sucks, but you can't make racist jokes. You can't do that. So NWA made the right decision. So, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, really quick, Impact Wrestling this week uh, on Access TV. I got to tell you, there's something off about where Impact is going with their shows on Access TV. Um, I thought maybe with them being on 
Access TV that they would present more of a New Japan style of wrestling. Don't get me wrong, you're still getting good wrestling matches here and there on Impact. Like, for example, the uh, six-person elimination match for the uh, number one contender spot this week on Impact was really good. And Rich Swan had an awesome performance that kind of used them in the Kofi Kingston role in the gauntlet match, but eventually Tessa Blanchard ended up uh, becoming the number one contender. She will fight Sammy Callahan for the Impact World title at Hard to Kill, uh, the first pay-per-view for 2020 for Impact Wrestling. But going back to this, there's something off of the presentation with Impact Wrestling. A, I don't think Josh Matthews should be the commentary anymore. Um, I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan. He doesn't draw me in, basically. One thing you can't have in entertainment is misplaced emotion. If I can't relate to you or feel your emotion during a match, how am I supposed to invest in the entire show? It's kind of one of the reasons why I don't like the commentary crew for AEW. I like Tony Schiavone, but JR's not hitting it, and it sucks for me to say that because JR's my guy, but it, it's not working <laughs> for that concert either. And I'm a stickler for commentary, obviously, because A, I want to do it, and it's the reason why I got hooked into wrestling in the first place, but you got to draw me in, and Josh Matthews doesn't do it. And how does a guy that's a, a literal douchebag, and I'm speaking from personal experience, uh, how does a douchebag get the warrant to call other people jerks and all this stuff that he calls these wrestlers on the shows. Like, there's too much haha in ways in Impact Wrestling. You got this, that 70s show vignettes that they do with the Rascals all the time. Um, Ty Valkyrie can't decide whether she wants to be a wrestler or a diva. Um, I don't know. I just don't get the presentation of where they're going with Impact Wrestling. You got Ken Shamrock super pissed at Johnny Swinger? Really? <laughs> Johnny Swinger and Kent Shamrock is something in 2019? I don't know, man. There is good elements for Impact Wrestling. Don't get me wrong. I love OVE. Eddie Edwards is a maniac, which was, which is fun to watch. I like the stuff they do with Ace Austin. Um, I like the Desi Hit Squad. They have good wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. The wrestling's always been good. And, of course, they got my guy Michael Elgin there. But... Come on already. <laughs> uh, the the back and forth comedy with Josh Matthews and Don Kals is hit and miss. I, I don't know, man. I, I was expecting a little bit more from Impact from what they've been presenting so far on Access TV. And it's been kind of disappointing, to be honest with you. The wrestling's been good, but the overall feel of the show just hasn't been there for me. So... On that note, that's going to be this week's edition of the Pro Wrestling Report. And before... Uh, we get to our predictions for NXT War Games and uh, Survivor Series. Let's get into this week's edition of the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, AEW versus NXT Chapter 8. Uh, AEW this week was in Indianapolis, Indiana at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Chris Jericho said that next week uh, where AEW is going to be in Hoffman Estates. Uh, Tony Khan is not Chicago. Um, <laughs> they're going to be back at the Sears Center, uh, next Thursday, no, next Wednesday on, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, uh, they're going to be there for Dynamite, so if anybody in the Chicago area, go check out AEW, they'll be there for Dynamite, and, um, 
you know, Chris Jericho said he's going to have a championship celebration uh, worthy of the Le Champion. And uh, the Le Champion is going <laughs> to have aquariums, fun, games. Uh, he, he basically calls Indiana a dump, which I don't blame because Indiana is a dump in all sen- all sen- all tense and purposes. <laughs> um, also, it's announced that Chris Jericho will be putting his AEW World title on the line against Scorpio Sky. Obviously, Scorpio Sky is the first wrestler to pin uh, Chris Jericho in AEW. So he's going to get a title shot out of that. And uh, the little segment they had was pretty good. Uh, other things that stood out to me, you know, you had John Moxie and Darby Allen in the main event. It was just a good match. But it was just a match. It wasn't anything to it. It was just, okay, John Moxley's calling out people. Darby Allen accepts. It was a good match. Did it do anything that makes me want to watch your show next week? No. I don't know what's next for John Moxley. But um, nonetheless, I, I enjoyed the match with John Moxley and Darby Allen. Uh, you had Private Party against Santana and Ortiz. Another thing with AEW and their referee discretion stuff continues on with their tattoo matches. And, you know, I already made my point here. I'm not going to sound like a broken record, but uh, tag team wrestling in AEW, while that should be a strong suit for them, it's not appeasing to the eyes at times. Like, don't get me wrong. There's fast sequences with uh, Santana and Ortiz. I'm not calling them proud and powerful. That's a dumb name. <laughs> um, but... You know, there was elements of that match that I enjoyed with them in Private Party. They got good chemistry with each other. But I don't know if it's the in-and-out tags and repeated moves and the sequences. I'm I'm not speaking from um, behind the fourth wall when it comes to, like, transcribing the shows. I don't know if there's something going on where the agents are telling them, okay, do in-and-out tags, repeated moves. Like, there's no, there's, at times when it comes to the tag team matches, and this happens in every wrestling company, there's no flow to it at times. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird. So, we'll see what happens. Um, besides that, um, we saw MJF win the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. Um, him and him and Hangman Page are going to fight each other next week. And um, MJF uh, can have the opportunity to win the Diamond Ring. I don't know if that gives him a title shot. They haven't been very clear about that. But um, MJF will fight Hangman Page next week. So that should be pretty cool. And then you had uh, Kenny Omega... Uh, training with Michael Nakazawa. Kenny Omega said that his struggle started when he lost the pocket all out. And um, Kenny Omega says he's looking to get redemption as, as we're going to get another Kenny Omega pock match in Chicago next week. So I like that. I like that little segment they had there. And then other stuff, you know, he had Britt Baker uh, lose to Hikaru Shida. And then trying to remember what else really stood out uh, from the shows. Um... Not, not really. That's that's pretty much it. Um, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm gonna get crucified for this. <laughs> for those who are listening to me right now, you probably want to throw uh, pitchforks at me. How can you not mention Nick Jackson against Ray Phoenix? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I went to bed at like three o'clock in the morning after I was done like transcribing AEW and NXT, and my mind is all over the place. I'm, I apologize for that. Ray Phoenix and Nick Jackson was awesome. It was a 
awesome match to, to transcribe. The crowd was into it. A lot of fast sequences. Uh, it was hard at times to jot all the moves down, but that was an awesome match. If you haven't seen Nick Jackson against Ray Phoenix, go go do yourself a favor and go check out the match because it was fucking awesome. So <laughs> go check that out. And then, you know, uh, Rick Hook will get to NXT, obviously, because uh, we got to get to these predictions. Uh, NXT, we had the evasions of Raw and SmackDown, but with bigger superstars this time. Becky Lynch fought Rhea Ripley, which was pretty cool. Good match. Ricochet and Matt Riddle tore the house down. <laughs> and then you had this tag team clinic from the Undisputed Era and the Revival. I got to tell you, man, that's probably one of the best taxi matches I've seen this year. And I've seen a lot of good ones from uh, AEW. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, uh, NXT UK, even good taxi matches on 205 Live. I've seen a lot of good taxi matches on every wrestling brand this year. But... The the flow and the way they're telling the story, the Undisputed Era Revival match was just on point, man. That was the best match of the night. And consistently, in my opinion, for a company that calls itself All Elite, I think NXT is ahead of uh, AEW when it comes to in-ring content. And that's just my opinion. Taking a swig of water for the working man. Watch out for these colds, folks. These come out of nowhere. A lot of people get sick. I don't know which which part of the area uh, you guys are listening to. We do have a lot of listeners in a lot of different places. So I want to give a shout out to you guys. Especially those in the UK and California out there in the East Coast as well. I, I see the analytics and stuff. And we get a lot of viewers from a lot of different places. So I deeply appreciate your support. Um, what's I going to say? Uh, what else stood out really quick? Um, like I said, you know, having uh, Undisputed Era Revival is just a awesome match. Go check that out. If there's one match you just want to see this week, just check out Revival against Undisputed Era. And then you had like the Viking Raiders uh, have a, a good match with the Forgotten Sons, a group that nobody cares about. <laughs> and um, it was fun to watch. It was a fun watch there as well. And then finally, you had the main event with Adam Cole and Dominic Dijakovic in the ladder match. So, just like how they did with me and him and Io Shirai, this match was a ladder match for War Games Advantage. Uh, they haven't said who's going to be the fourth and final member for Team Champa. Triple H said on his conference call that fourth member will be revealed at War Games on Saturday. And he said it's going to be a surprise and it's going to be epic. So, um, we'll see. <laughs> There's a big expectation when you throw uh, uh, epic and a big surprise. So, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but NXT was off the charts. I thought AEW was solid. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was horrible. It was a good, solid show. Way better than last week's. So I'll give them that. <laughs> um, I just hope we don't get any more, like, Rick and Morty crap or, I don't know. But, um, overall, another good, solid night for Wednesday Night Wars Chapter 8. We'll get to Chapter 9 next week. And you can hear more of my thoughts on the Wednesday Night Wars every single week on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, with John the Hood from ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With that said, uh, really quick, uh, for those who do listen to me on Wrestling TWT, let, 
let let the world know. Uh, give a shout out to me and Hoodie. If you're going to Survivor Series or War Games this weekend, bring a sign says uh, Wrestling TWT or Hooded Lopez. Uh, let the world know where the best podcast run because besides this show, I put uh, Hood and Lopez on Wrestling TWT up there against anybody because we're having a blast on that show right now. So <laughs> uh, check out Hood and Lopez every single weekend on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right, folks, let's pull up the cards and let's make some uh, predictions. Yes, for Survivor Series and NXT Takeover War Games. I'm gonna pull this up right now. Just one second. Humana, 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 humana. You know, thinking about this, I had to do some research, but I'm pretty sure I transcribed over a thousand matches this year. Like we're nearly cl- uh, we're nearly at the end of the year, so I gotta figure out how many matches I did this year. I'm sure it's gonna be a lot, so <laughs> I'm gonna do some research, but um. Let's start off with War Games, because that's going to be the first major event going on uh, this weekend. Um, starting off here, Damian Priest against Pete Dunne and Killian Dane in a triple threat match. The winner will face Adam Cole for the NXT title at Survivor Series. How cool is that? You're going to get an NXT title match on one of the main WWE pay-per-views, so that's pretty cool. I got I got Pete Dunne winning this one. I think it's a kind of obvious one, but it's going to be a good match nonetheless. Uh... Pete Dunne and Killy Dane and Priest are going to beat the shit out of each other. I'm going to love it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for that one. I go Pete Dunne there. Uh, Finn Balor against Matt Riddle. I love the bro, but Finn Balor is going to win that match. Um, we got Team Shayna Baszler. By the way, if you haven't seen the video package for the Women's War Game match, make sure you do because that match was uh, that video package was awesome. <laughs> and the song behind it, too. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Kaylee Ray, the beautiful Kaylee Ray, by the way, Bianca Belair, and Io Shirai against Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim. I am going with, I'm going with Team Baszler here, actually. Originally, I thought I was going to go with the baby faces, but I'm going to go with the heels in this one. I got Shayna Baszler uh, and her team winning the War Games match. It's going to be very interesting. This is my first time ever watching a War Games match in, in person, cause, and that's one of the main reasons why I decided that I wanted to go to War Games uh, this year. Um, I'm very excited to see how this goes for both matches, because where they're going to place them, how long those matches are going to be, that's the question. So we got to see what goes down. If it's me, I'd probably have one of these War Game matches start off the show. But maybe you want to put them in between. We get we just gotta figure out how that that's that's gonna work out. But I trust Triple H and William Regal. They'll figure something out. And takeovers are mostly fun. So um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. And then finally, uh, Undisputed Era gets Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and a partner to be determined at War Games. I have my predictions. Originally, I thought it could be the Velveteen Dream. I don't know who else could be that option that would, like, surprise people. I really don't. And that's kind of the interesting thing. Who's it going to be? Because we haven't got any updates as far as Velveteen Dream being injured. Could it be somebody that's not booked for Survivor Series and it could be on that show? I have no idea. So, <laughs> uh, we got the Warriors game match. We'll see what goes down. But for me, personally, I do think that 
Um, when it comes to this match in particular, I think T. Chapel will beat the Undisputed Era um, on Saturday. So that's that's for uh, Takeover War Games, and now for Survivor Series. Just one second. By the way, if you want to check out any of my articles, like I said, please check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Uh, make sure to uh, bookmark that site and follow along with all the articles that I do. Uh, I'm pulling this sucker up. Just give me one more second. One thing I forgot to mention from Raw this week. I really enjoyed the promos that Paul Heyman and Rey Mysterio cut this week. Uh, there's a lot of hype and excitement for this Brock Lesnar-Rey Mysterio match. I think uh, Paul Heyman mentioned this is going to be the main event of the show. So something's going to go down there and we'll get to that match in a couple minutes. But anyways, here we go. Uh, traditional men's, women's Survivor Series match. Uh, for Team Raw, we got Charlotte Flair, Natalia, the Kabuki Warriors, and Sarah Logan taking on Team SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, the beautiful Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. And then for Team NXT, probably gets to go into Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, and Tegan Knox. So, with that being said, I do think that uh, Team Raw will win this women's uh, Survivor Series match. Uh, Undisputed Era against the Viking Raiders against the New Day. I have the New Day winning that match. You know, that match could go either way, you know. That match could go either way. But here's something I wanted to mention really quick. And here's the thing. I feel like... um, I really feel like that... For those who are going to the show this Sunday and think that NXT is supposed to win the majority of the matches just because they're feuding with AEW, I just think that's unrealistic. I'm not saying that Raw and SmackDown need to win every match, nor do I think the concept that NXT needs to win every match because I think that's silly. Let them just enjoy the matches. I understand that you want every brand to look good and this and that. I understand that, but... Let's not overthink this thing. You know, NXT will get their shine. Raw will get their shine. And SmackDown will get their shine. I don't think we should overthink this thing. And there's a lot of matches that I really don't care who wins. And that's a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, you look at this uh, Undisputed Era, Viking, Raider, Viking Raiders and New Day. That match is going to be insane. Um, I am going to go with New Day. I think SmackDown gets that one. Uh, AJ Styles, Roderick Strong against Nakamura. I'm going to go with AJ Styles in that one. Um, the men's survivor match, uh, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet against Team SmackDown, Roman Reigns, King Corbin, Braun Strowman, Mustafa Ali, and Chad Gable, and Team NXT, Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and probably two more. <laughs> two guys that haven't been announced yet. I, I don't know who's filled out for Team NXT. That's just my guesses right there. But, um... That match is going to be insane. You know, one thing I always give compliments to WWE for is how they structure these eight-man, these six-man tag team matches. Because there's going to be some cool spots where everybody's brawling all over the place. And you got, like, one finisher after another finisher. This match is going to be long, but this match is going to be fucking awesome, too. So, <laughs> this could go either way. But this may be controversial, but I'll go with Team Raw. And guess what? I think Seth Rollins is going to 
be the sole survivor. What's the saying he says all the time? Survive and prevail. And that's what he's going to do. Seth Rollins will be the sole survivor at the men's uh, Survivor Series match. So, that's my guess there. Uh, finally, we got the other two title matches that we got to talk about really quick. First one, we got to talk about the... Actually, we got three. So, Adam Cole against Pete Dunne. I think Adam Cole will retain his NXT title. Same thing goes with the the Fiend, Bray Wyatt against Daniel Bryan uh, for the Universal title. I'm curious to see how that match goes. I don't know if that match would be long or not, but either way, I'm I'm excited to see how that goes with Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. Um, We'll see what they do on SmackDown tomorrow night, too. That's another thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, Paul Heyman uh, accompanying the Beast, Brock Lesnar, against Rey Mysterio, no holds bar match for the WWE title. Brock Lesnar will retain his WWE title. I don't see any of the title changing at Survivor Series. I don't. But here's something that I do see something happening. I've been saving this last for a reason. We got Becky Lynch against Bayley against Shayna Baszler. I think Shayna Baszler is winning because my surprise for Survivor Series this weekend is Ronda Rousey is back. Becky needs somebody to fight her at WrestleMania, and we'll finally get that one-on-one Becky Ronda match at WrestleMania 36. You're welcome. <laughs> on that note, I want to thank you guys so much for checking out episode 182 of the Who's Podcast. As always, you can subscribe to the channel and leave us a four or five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the show on Spotify, Google Play, Android, anywhere you get your podcasts from. All your favorite podcasting platforms, the show is available to you for free of charge. Also, uh, bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Every single week, I'm on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. Uh, follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. We do our show Hood and Lopez every week recapping the Wednesday Night Wars and whatever we want to talk about along the way. <laughs> and um, that's pretty much it. So, uh, really quick, on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at The Who's Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Lopez 94 and at Lopez Music. And with that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy War Games. Enjoy Survivor Series. And uh, that's pretty much it. With that said... My name's Joshi. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. And right now, it's time for the thoughts of Derrico. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to your favorite part of the Hoots Podcast every week. The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Going to keep it short and sweet this week. I'm traveling. I'm on the road. You may hear some background noise. I'm a busy man. You know, as director of operations, you know, we need to be out and about trying to sell the brand, going to those business meetings, sitting in the highest part of the towers around the glass table, all of us in our suits, making sure that we are ready to bring you the best content that we possibly can each week here on The Thoughts of Derrico. The only news item I will talk about this week, and I'll just touch upon it briefly, is the firing of Jim Cornette 
from NWA Power. Well, his resi- quote-unquote resignation, I'm using air quotes as I travel, his quote-unquote resignation. I really believe he was forced out after making the comments that he made. I get that Cornette is a controversial figure. I completely understand that. But at the same time, you can't say those things and get away with it. I mean, look what happened to Don Cherry up in Canada. And I'm a big, I've been a Don Cherry, I grew up with Don Cherry. And, um, you know, I have my own thoughts about that. But this isn't a political show, so I'm just going to leave that alone. But I will say that... You know, you just, nobody is safe anymore. And, you know, I know Jim Cornette made the comments that he did. It's just, it's a different era now. And you, you can't say those things and get away with it. So, unfortunately, uh, Cornette's firing was justified. I think there's some people that won't be overly disappointed that he's no longer a member of the NWA power brand. But that's my thoughts on that. And uh, I have a feeling that he'll rant and rave about it on his own show and be as controversial and angry and arrogant as possible but that's who he is that's that's his gimmick that's his shtick and he makes that work okay so what i'm going to do for the rest of my time this week on the thoughts of derrico is we're going to go over my predictions predictions if you will for the series that survives uh survivor series this coming weekend should be an excellent show should be a chaotic show uh the build-up to this has basically been everybody just trying to one-up each one one up each other and getting on the different brands and all that kind of good stuff so that's been going on with that but uh we do have a show coming up and it's going to be a terrific show and uh i really think i'm really looking forward to it it should be great and uh, i'm going to give you my predictions going forward let me pull up the card here there we go First match we'll talk about is the United States Championship, the mid-card title, triple threat. You've got AJ Styles, the U.S. champion, versus the Intercontinental Champion, Shinsuke Nakamura, versus the NXT North American Championship Roderick, uh, champion, Roderick Strong. And I'm actually going to take Nakamura to get the win here. I think he needs a little bit of a boost. Uh, Styles has still got an, an interesting program going with Humberto Carrillo. Uh, and Nakamura's kind of... I don't, know, I don't know if he's really lost in the shuffle, but he sort of is because he doesn't really have an opponent, and he needs this win. So I'm going to take Nakamura to get the victory here, not just because he's still my favorite WWE superstar, but also because I, I think he needs to get the win here more than anybody else. Okay, you've got the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT teams battling in the Survivor Series triple threat match. Let's see, you've got... Uh, reading again i'm just pulling up the card i'm traveling here so i'm trying to pull up the card here okay you've got seth rollins randy orton kevin owens ricochet and drew mcintyre to represent raw king corbin roman reigns braun Strowman, mustafa ali and shorty g uh will be with uh with the smackdown team and they're still trying to figure out who all is going to be the final folks on the NXT team. Triple H has said that he'll uh, leave it up to chance who's going to be the um, the fifth member of that team there. This has been a tough one uh, to me going back and forth. I'm going to take the Raw team here. And I think Seth Rollins is going to... I can see Seth Rollins trying to do some sort of heel turn in this. Uh, saying he's the man, you know, and you know he's been getting booed a lot lately. So I'm gonna take Seth Rollins to get the win here. Doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna happen, or or I'm gonna say that the Raw is gonna get the win and Seth Rollins is the sole survivor of that one. In the women's elimination match, this one's gonna be this one's gonna be an unbelievable contest um, with the with the five 
teams there. I think it's just going to be an outstanding match. You've got 15 incredible competitors going at it. Uh, let's see. We've got Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross with, uh, with uh, the blue brand. Uh, Red, Bland, Red Brand has Charlotte Flair, Natalia, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, Sarah Logan. And NXT, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I know there's Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Io Shirai, and the fifth person is, is escaping me, and I can't remember who it is. But anyways, I'm taking Team NXT here. I think that they are, I, I think top to bottom, the NXT women's division is the best in is it is the best utilized in the company so i'm taking the nxt team to pick up the victory in that one for the women's match okay we've got the tag team title triple threat you've got the viking raiders the raw tag team champions you've got the new day as the smackdown tag team champions and you got the undisputed era with nxt and i'm taking the undisputed era here uh, i think that they've got incredible momentum going and there you could see them being an elite faction within the company and they i they need the win more than anybody you know the, the new day obviously is established the viking raiders uh, the the raw tag team division is just kind of a mess right now so i'm going to take the new uh, the undisputed era to get the win here i think they need it and i think that it's going to be a wonderful wonderful match Triple threat match in the women's division. You've got Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler versus Bayley. Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. This one's tough. I'm going to go with the man here and say that Becky Lynch gets the win just because she is the face of the division and has been kicking some serious ass uh, for the last, really, year. And I think that they're going to ride this momentum going into 2020. All three have been fantastic, but I'm going to say that Becky Lynch gets the win here and picks up the victory for Raw. Now we get into the title matches. The Universal Champion, The Fiend, taking on Daniel Bryan. This, As I said this before in a previous edition of Thoughts of Derrico, I think this is a good pairing for Bray Wyatt. I think that it's a good way for him to, to defend his Universal Championship against a safe opponent. I'm taking, uh, obviously, The Fiend to retain here. They're going to make his run uh, go for a while. But uh, I'm taking The Fiend here, and it, I don't know what they're going to do with it, if it's going to be as creepy or... I think we'll learn a lot about where they're going with the Bray Wyatt character after this match based upon the Hell in the Cell contest. So I think that that's going to happen there. Finally, the no-holds-barred match, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. <sighs> Man, I... I go back and forth on this because the no holds barred, no disqualification match gives the opportunity for Mysterio to get the title. And I could see them giving him one more run. This really depends on what Fox wants out of their champion. Um, I'm going to say Les. <sighs> I really want to pick what Rey Mysterio. I really, really want to pick Rey Mysterio. But I've got to say that Lesnar retains here uh, and they're going to do something with him going forward. I just. Like I said, I really want to see Mysterio get the win here, but I just can't see it because I could also see them saying, well, Brock Lesnar has established dominance over both Cain Velasquez and Rey Mysterio, and he's kind of finished that off completely. So those are my predictions for Survivor Series this year. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of The Thoughts of Derrico. In closing, I will say the Miles Garrett situation in the NFL was completely well, there was no good answer with that, but Miles Garrett should not only have been suspended for this season, but he should have he should have been suspended for all of next season as well. Hitting somebody in the head with a helmet is absolutely egregious and ridiculously uncalled for.
This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.